All right, what's up, what's up? It's your girl AB with 30 Flirty and Thriving, and I am here today with Dino H. Carter, a brand expert from Hollywood, California. How are you doing today, Dino? I'm great, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So Dino reached out to me on Instagram, and he seems to be doing some really exciting things. I'm looking at his website right now. Tell me a little bit about exactly what it is that you do and why you reached out to me. <laughs> So uh, I don't know how and why. I think that through Robert, uh, I started checking you your your profile, and I don't know. I found that some kind of kindred spirit, and I like how you're like so open and out there, you know. Um, and part of what I do, or at least with my client, and something that I preach is to be real and open and fragile. Mm -hmm. um, even if you're a huge brand um, and if you're talking about that so what what do I do I've been in marketing for more than 20 years um, I live and work in Tel Aviv Israel London the UK and here in California uh, I started as a PR guy I did a lot of PR PR for uh, Levi's I did merchandising and licensing for MTV Europe uh, when MTV was still a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, back in the 90s, the roaring oh, okay. 90s. So while it was, yeah, while it was a thing thing. <laughs> the empty what? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and for the last three or more years, I've been uh, doing a lot of marketing, art, art director, and I've done tons of websites and graphic design and web design and I've been in the high-tech uh, the, the dot-com bubble back in the days and after more than 20 years in branding I found out that it's all about the brand mm -hmm. and brand is very intangible it's very hard to understand exactly what it is mm. Nike is not a brand Nike is a company <laughs> a right. brand is something that's uh, about emotions, about yeah. thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. And after working with so many companies and people, and I saw that there's a common thread since the day people started using money to buy something. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked um, when the whole cannabis uh, green rush started, I saw that it's, you know, I wasn't the only one that thought that it's exactly like the gold rush. And for me that I'm so passionate about brands and good branding, immediately uh, those brands that still with us and started back then, yeah. I was like, okay, so what's, how come Levi's is still with us? Because that's when Levi's started. Uh, the idea was to have a strong pants for all the people who are um, digging for gold. He actually right. I was going to say, that's what I remember the Levi brand was like for workers. It was like for, yeah. Yeah. And he actually started selling uh, shovels, you know, for the miners. Mm -hmm. And then he understood that there's this denim, which is a fabric and it's so, uh, strong that why not make you know pants out of that and that's how the whole thing started 
And very quickly, uh, you saw that it's not about the features. Yeah, the product is good. The product has to be good. The service has to be good. But at the end of the day, to be a brand, to be something that's with us for so many years, like Levi's, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, um, Nike, it's not about the features. Right. And it's now how I'm... people feel. It's about what people think about the products. Exactly. That's a brand. Something mm -hmm. that... A gut feeling about the product or a service. Mm -hmm. And like Jeff Bezos said about personal brand, uh, personal brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Right. And uh, now I help you know, entrepreneurs, companies, and, uh, and people understand how to use this method or framework mm -hmm. to grow their business. Right. And this is something, because I work with a lot of smaller companies, especially on the podcast. I really try to use this as a platform to highlight and promote some of the smaller locally owned businesses. And something that I think a lot of smaller companies don't understand is, well, we don't have the time or the resources really to market or to brand, but I have to help them understand you have a brand, whether you're putting effort into it or not, it's still there. The, the beauty of um, having control over that is that you do have a say in how you're perceived by actively going out there, marketing, by being authentic, by you know choosing an emotion you want to evoke from your consumers. That is the kind of like the only really control you can have over your brand because Otherwise, people are going to create it for you. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. And I, I like how you use the word control because 100 years ago or 50 years ago, we didn't have social media. We didn't have internet. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have access. And now with all of that, you can have so much more control over your income, over your revenues. Yes. Regardless of spending money. It's not about money. People need to understand, oh, uh, but they have tons of money. It's not about money. It's about mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and for instance, I don't know if we talked about it. I I'm sure that we talked about the crazy weather um, last week, I think. But yeah. in California and Los Angeles, it's uh, not summer yet. It ain't summer yet here either. Yeah, <laughs> but... <too> close. <laughs> Yeah, for us, we were supposed to start using the AC uh, in the car in, uh, you know, mid-February. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this is, I, I remember last year I was talking to people in New York while I was driving and they're freezing and it's, I don't know, mid-February and I'm like, open the AC in the car because I'm dying. Well, yeah, on my Facebook memories today, I was in a tank top and shorts last year on this day. And I'm like, I'm free. I had to turn my heat back on today. I'm freezing. I have a coat on right now. I cannot get warm. I was so riding my Harley back today and it was like freezing. And I was like, I can't believe it's gray and I'm freezing. It's gray <laughs> in LA. Yeah. And um, so this is something really interesting regarding control is that if you're a fashion designer this year uh the shit hit the pen okay because what usually happens is during the winter you sell your uh summer collection 
And when the summer comes, like on March, already the retailers have your uh, inventory in their shop. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that retailers don't want to source summer collection because it's still cold. Mm. And it's the first time that it's, if you're not in, in, in fashion, you don't understand it, but it is huge. This is a huge thing. And I'm starting to work right now with uh, actually not a small uh, clothing label that uh, they, they're stuck with inventory. Mm. And I was like, now you need to gain more control over your business, over your sales. Yeah. Usually what happened with, with creative people is that, and I was like that, but I changed it. Um, they're like, we're anti-sales. I don't want to be salesy. Uh-huh. Um, and all that sale is, is is a bad word. I was like that. I didn't have a buck to it. Now I do have, and I found a way to understand that sales and making sale and selling what you worked so hard to achieve mm-hmm. is smart. That's what we need to do, and it's doable. And we online marketing and online sales you can achieve it much much easier and this is something that i try to do as much as i can now with small small companies and big companies because even big companies i don't want to say names but you know some of the biggest brands in the world has the same issue of increase online sales increase customer retention Mm -hmm. So so with the brands that you work with, you, when you're putting together, I don't know exactly like what you do, if you just help them get their brand started, or if you actually put together campaigns or what, what have you, but do you, um, do you offer them saying, okay, so we'll put together this campaign or we'll put together this. And from that, you should generate this many sales. Do you promise like revenue or sales from your campaigns? So let's go a step back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do everything by, by a campaign. So the idea is to make your sales and marketing more efficient. Yeah. And the way to do that, there's a holy trinity, branding, sales, and marketing. Mm-hmm. You start with a strategy, with a brand strategy, okay? You go back to the core, you, bought, you go back to point one, you start building the brand, the values, uh, the right message, definition of the brand, definition of the customers. So many people don't understand that they're not targeting the right audience yes. or <laughs> they're trying to target and get everyone. Mm-hmm. It's a huge no-no. Um, you know, usually I ask, I ask one of my first question is, so who's your customer? And usually I hear everybody. Yeah. No, but it's, it's good to even target it down to like 
Susie, Susie Sowal. Susie Sowal loves shopping at these three stores and she makes about this much money and she has two kids and she's been married for six years and she graduated from, you know, U of M. Like, I mean, they narrow it down to an actual persona and this is their ideal customer that they're targeting. And right. by doing that, you can create messaging that will evoke emotion from Susie Sowal. Exactly her and people like her. And, and, and even more important than that, is to find the why, Susie's why. Why Susie want to sit in your restaurant? Why Susie should buy from you? Why mm -hmm. Susie wants to use your service, your product? Mm -hmm. The why is very important. And once you find that why, which is totally intangible, sometimes Susie doesn't know why <laughs> she likes it. Right. Usually so she doesn't. So as a brand expert, do you do the market analysis to figure this out for your clients? Yeah. Oh, so okay. I, I find like, out all those, all those definitions and all those reasons why. And as I usually say, what they sell. People don't really understand what they sell. The fact that you sell shoes as a product, you don't sell shoes. Nike doesn't sell shoes. When was the last time you saw Nike with Ed with a big shoe on it? Never. Um, so you need to find what I sell, who I sell it to, and why should they buy? And that's exactly what I'm doing. I find out all those weird, emotional, intangible things that now we need to start and manifest in your marketing. And from your marketing, your campaigns. Um, I don't do the campaign itself. Um, I usually have people that do that or write the, the content to do graphics. I can do that, but I really like to focus on make sure everything is done right instead of going deep into the trenches and start designing. Mm -hmm. And not only that, um, every designer has their own comfort zone, mm -hmm. their own style. I have a very specific style. And if it is not the right style for the brand that I work on, I shouldn't design it. I should find a designer that that's their thing, design that style. That's why usually when you go to an ad agency or a graphic designer or a graphic agency, mm -hmm. they will get you to have a logo that they are comfortable designing. Right. Which usually is not the right logo for you. And even more than that, logo is not that important these days. We're not in the 90s anymore. Um, Okay. It's more important to understand why. Why should Susie buy from me? Right. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about emotional marketing because I've always I used to work closely with nonprofits and my thing was you gotta hit them in the heart because at the end of the day we want them to open up their pocketbook to donate to our cause. And in order to do that, we have to tell a really compelling story that they're going to relate to, that they're go that's going to evoke emotion out of them and make them want to reach in their pocket and, and hand over some money to our cause. 
And I think that the more that I work with for-profit business, it's still the same thing, which, you know, earlier in my career, I didn't realize, but ultimately you still, it's about building out stories that are going to resonate with people and want, make them want to relate to your brand and therefore purchase your product, do business with your company, um, donate to your cause, whatever it may be. So what type of experience do you have with that? And what can you talk or what can you speak on in regards to that? Uh, I have a great example. Uh, a client that I've been working with a few good years and uh, the story is, is the essence because the story is their reason why. If we had Susie and her reason why to buy, you as a business owner has a reason why you have your business, why you started your business. Mm -hmm. There's a story. And when you um, market based on your story, it's easier and then you get all, all the clients back, all the customers, because they can align uh, with your story. And it's a cannabis industry, it's a cannabis uh, company that I worked with, and I knew that as the industry grow, it's, we need to find an emotional connection with them, because right. At the beginning, it was really about the product itself uh, because everything was so new and the competition was pretty non-existent. Um, but as the industry grow, the competition is fierce and I need to find a connection with them. So I sat with the owner and I was like, dude, why did you start the business? When Tell me how, how everything happened. and, and and we found out that he was growing in his garage and by necessity, he needed to find uh, a product that will be efficient. And I don't want to go into the details, but mm. that was the thing. And then he started to think how we can produce this product that will be efficient enough. And that's how everything started. And it grew to a very big company in, uh, in the industry. Wow. So I took this thing, this story, and just across the board started using it mm -hmm. on ads, on newsletters. Um, talk about it, you know, so people can understand why, why it exists, you know? Yeah. And have an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a a page ad in High Times Magazine with that story that he wrote with a small photo of him. That was the whole page. I mean, the whole page and that section of text of mm -hmm. him telling the story, how everything started and why. Uh, another thing I did with, uh, with this story, you know how, and this is something everybody can use, should use actually if you sell online you have an automated email uh, after a sale that goes to the uh, the visitor thank you for uh, your order or your order is on its way 90 percent of online retailers don't even go and do anything with this email so we all get the same your order is on the way 
thank you for using us. Thank you for order. Wow, really interesting. Mm -hmm. I took that thing, this, that story, and the first email that you get automatically after you made a, a purchase is that story. So you can understand more about the product that you already bought. I mean, right. I got your money already, so it's not about the money. It's about you to have a better connection and understanding why we do what we do. Right. Um, and I got to say that since this company started using the story, the brand story, the connection was better. The retention was much higher. Um, we got returning visitors for the new for the website from like 4.2%. Uh, it was last February. In May, it was already 18 point something. I don't remember. Okay, wow. So that's three months. So, you know, when you work with your clients, just deduct it to the smallest detail that can be aligned with your customers. Mm -hmm. So when you put together a campaign for a client, do you do all forms of media or is it just print or is it just radio or TV or a mixture? Is it, is it digital? That's a great question. It's a great question. <laughs> um, the media is part of the customer definition. Mm -hmm. If the customer is not there, don't go there. Mm -hmm. So there are two things when you work on media. The first thing is what the media will help you do or achieve. And the second thing is, should I use the media? Is my customer there? Right. So the first thing, for instance, TV used to do everything all the functions. Mm -hmm. Now, it mainly work on your brand awareness. Not really for sales. If you want sales, you need to use an online media much more than TV. So real quick, you just reminded me of something. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No. Okay, I don't either. But, <laughs> but I did, I'm in a group um, of people who are going back and forth about Game of Thrones because they're doing a campaign regarding it. And someone noticed, and it was going around online too, where there was a Starbucks cup in one of the scenes. And obviously the Game of Thrones, right, right, right. So there's this big debate about, is it genius marketing or genius branding, or was it an honest mistake, someone leaving the cup on set? It wasn't an honest mistake. I can tell you, I, I used to do that. <laughs> I've done a, a a whole campaign uh, for product placement, uh, content, for um, a car, some, some, some car company, mm -hmm. uh, a vehicle. And I can tell you that it's, it's amazing. I'm shocked that they that have done that, but they could even take it out in CGI when they edit it if they want right. Um, but no one immediately bought Starbucks coffee. 
but everybody is talking about it and that's the thing it's not so much yeah about driving that immediate sale it's more about the brand awareness and everyone saying oh starbucks game of thrones so now there's this whole starbucks game of thrones connection when game of thrones is at its height at the you know last season everyone's talking about it there's all of this online um you know noise about it so to have starbucks in part of that conversation that's huge that's huge that's huge and and that brings me back to think about, you know, should I do Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Is your customer, Susie's on Facebook? Maybe she's only on Instagram. Right. So why do I need to put money on Facebook? Exactly. I can catch her only there. Uh, it's like, you know, you have to be on social media. You have to be on social media, but not on all social media. Absolutely. And let's, let's, speak on that for a moment because I think in in Robert he said something to I think it was today or yesterday that you know it's so much better to do two platforms really really great than to do three or four just barely just to have it, a stagnant presence on them just to say that you're on them and I yeah. think that's an important um, you know thing for businesses especially small businesses or growing businesses to remember is that you don't have to be everywhere. You just need to be where those very important channels. If your customer base is on Facebook, you need to be on Facebook and Instagram. You don't have to be on Twitter and LinkedIn and Pinterest and YouTube and Snapchat and IMO and like whatever else channels there are. Yeah, you're totally right. Totally. So, yeah, so I think that that's an important part. Um, but back to kind of leveraging different forms of media. So, like you said, only if they're ready. Only if they're only if the client is ready and they're there to actually, you know, have campaigns run via media. That's when you do it. And again, that's an important point. Just making sure that not going crazy with it. It's a waste of money. I think a lot of people, and I work with a lot of musicians too, as they're trying to, you know, create brand awareness, and they will spend a ridiculous amount of money just trying to get their name heard or their music heard. And it's like, you got to be strategic. There is a, there's a way to do it to make, you know, the most bang for your buck, basically. With, with musicians, it's, it's so hard. I mean, and I think, and, and, you know, I play the guitar. I've been a musician for most of my life. I've done PR for musicians. And I think that for musicians, and again, we're going back to organic and authentic you will spend tons of money on ads on Instagram and Facebook. I don't think anything will happen with that. You will not see ROI on that. Right. Uh, but if you will do awesome, top of the line, organic content, a piece of music that is just mind-blowing, you're good and that's free. You're like, you're good. You have to be the best. When, when, when you're a musician, it's like that kid that you, you, you posted yesterday or two days ago, that little rapper. I don't know. The little one. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. The little one. The only one. <laughs> the little one with, I think she had braids. I think so. And she's not a kid, but. <laughs> For me, for me, anyone who's like, you know, 20 for me is a kid. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, she's really awesome though. And there's a lot of talent, um, in a lot of, she's interesting. She just has an interesting from a branding perspective. She's totally brandable. She's totally brandable. Um, and so I think that's too, when I'm working with musicians, I'm like, it's about who are you when people hear your name, when they hear your music or whatever, see your album, what do you want them to think or feel immediately? And, um, what persona do you want to create and, and kind of live with and, and, you know, um, brand out to the world or show to the world. So that's the first thing. And so like you were saying, you have to be really, really great. And I think that's true. You have to be like really mind blowing, jaw dropping, amazing, because there's so much other talent on social for you to compete with. Or you just have to create this really amazing persona that people follow. There is, um, and I've used, I'm tired of using the same example, but I can't help it. There's a rapper named Blueface who, in my opinion, is not a great musician or rapper or lyricist, but he, he's kind of smart. He built this huge brand around him as a persona, and then he dropped his music. And even though it's not great, he has so many fans already that he's now a somewhat successful 15 minute, <laughs> you know? He'll get his 10 minutes. I mean, he'll get the rock, a record deal or something like that. I mean, not that a record deal is, is that important, but he will get a campaign with, I don't know, a big company. Right. So uh, I think it's important that you realize you have to be just actually just, and you never know what piece of content will go viral. Cause some stuff you might put out there like, wow, this is amazing. I sound great. It's going to get, you know, a million hits and then you drop it and no one cares. And then you might post something that you're not even sure about posting and it goes viral. Like, cause you can't control. That's the whole point of it being viral is that it's unpredictable. Um, and because of that, back to the point, you have to be completely jaw dropping amazing, or you just have to be really brandable and create a persona that people can identify with. They can feel like they can relate to it and they, they kind of attach themselves to you. So whatever you do, they're going to support. If you drop a song, they're going to support it. If you drop it, if you write a book, they're going to support it. If you're going to go to a show, they're going to support it because they support you, your, you as a person, the same way that people will watch, you know, every single, I don't know, Tom Cruise movie or whatever, because they like him as an actor, not necessarily the director of the film or the movie itself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Building the brand image. Yeah, love is super important. If you get people to love you, mm -hmm. not like you or anything, to love you, to love your brand, to love your persona, to love your service, keep that. You're, you're, that's it. You're like you're, 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 you're golden. Exactly. Yeah, and and you know, so many people love Nike. None of them uh, runs. <laughs> this, is true. this is true there are a lot of people who just like the brand and are loyal to the brand just because of for whatever reason whatever it is whatever rapport was built or whatever they related to with any of the campaigns even with the Kaepernick campaign that built a lot of really loyal customers um, and people that are like I'm this I'm loyal to this particular brand but I'm switching to Nike now because of this campaign and, and I remember, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Um, and when the campaign went out, it was like pff, crazy. And everybody, is it good or is it bad? People are uh, cutting the, the swoosh of their shoes and the burning shoes and everything. 
And I was like, you know, look at the stock tomorrow morning. If it's not up, I cut my <laughs> and it was up like a mother. <laughs> and and you can see, and, and of course, you know how it is in the uh, in the advertising uh, industry. Of course, immediately everybody wanted to have like those emotional and values, and I'm, I stand for something because for for so many years, all of us marketing people said it's about values, and you have to stand for something. Um, way, but nobody believed us for a long time. Yeah, I don't need to stand for. Yes, you do. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everybody wants that. And then Gillette went with a huge campaign that cost tons of money with a very specific director. That that's her thing, and it's a very specific thing. And as much as Nike was the best campaign. Uh, of the last 10 years, Gillette's campaign was the worst campaign in the last 10 years. I was going to say, oh. I don't even know about the Gillette campaign. That's probably why. <laughs> yeah. And, and not only that, it was, so it was directed at men Which against men. Okay. And that's crazy, but it's crazy that they're, I understand why they directed at men, but actually there's so many women who prefer to use men's razors over women. They work better. Um, you heard about the pink campaign last year? No. Oh, that was amazing. Okay. So did you know that women razors pink ones mm -hmm. cost more. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, but I was like, no, I don't need to talk about Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. They don't work as so, well. They cost more and they don't work as well. Okay. Well, it's the whole like being a girl. Well, that's a whole nother subject, but never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I like that Burger King uh, started a pink campaign. So Burger King are doing lots of values campaigns oh did you so they have a new campaign which is like the anti-happy meal did you see that where it's oh i don't remember some of the they have meals but they're like different moods they're not that happy. Are, yeah <laughs> which i thought was pretty cool um and there's been a lot of conversation too about wendy's wendy's online brand totally does not match them as a company or what you think their brand is it's like some random rogue person using their twitter account or something but it the gets twitter them. account is amazing i mean it, yeah i was gonna say it keeps them that's it, how you do it and, and so many companies are scared to do it that way so many companies are are scared you shouldn't be an asshole if it's not in your brand's dna um or a badass, or fresh. Mm. But if it's in your brand's DNA, do, you have to. And if you see, it goes back to what we talked about media and social media, Wendy's are very focused on Twitter. Mm. And they do it better than anyone. Better. <laughs> they do. Let me ask you, what do you think about T-Mobile? Yes and no. Um, his whole like he came in as CEO and like took over their their brand. I don't know. You know, 
a little bit, I think it's maybe premature to talk about it. What I do like about them is the, uh, the color identification that they have. Mm -hmm. This is something that I liked a lot. Um, yeah. When I lived in, in England, in London, you, I used to see it everywhere. I mean, when mobile just started, yes, I'm old. When, when mobile <laughs> just started, you just saw that color, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can go in the street and it was so in your face. And that's how they started. That's, they got huge uh in england yeah uh of course virgin and all that but that distinguished color just like sprint has the yellow yeah yeah but i feel like sprint has the yellow but it's not as identifiable as that that magenta that t-mobile magenta yeah and oh, and yeah. think about it magenta is super feminine and it it, it goes back to focus on, on a specific customer. When you decide that magenta is your color, you need to understand that you're not really going after males. Well, and I think too that T-Mobile kind of spearheaded the whole family thing, knowing that the women tend to make the decisions for the household with stuff like that, thinking, well, and obviously they had that before that, but I think with that, when that, that color really became an identifier for them and it was around as they were rebranding and I feel like maybe I wasn't as into branding at the time, so I wasn't paying attention, or maybe it went under the radar, but um, I feel like all of that kind of started happening. I will say, though, I do like uh, their new online presence. It seems a little bit more relaxed. I like the fact that the CEO is very personable. He seems like a regular person. Like, how often do you know the CEO of a company, and you feel like you know them as a person? He does, like, cooking on Twitter or whatever, which is not obviously, it has nothing to do with a cell phone service. But it works, and I yeah. think, that, and I applaud that that courage to step out of the box and to just and make your your brand relatable and to make the face of the company relatable. Exactly, it's so important these days to understand that a company is more than just a company, and personal brand and corporate brand when uh, is a good thing to just mix them together so they can support each other. And if you think about, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but when Uber had all the, all the fiascos and they had a new CEO, mm -hmm. they went up with uh, a TV commercial that he's talking about him being the new CEO and how he wanted to change Uber and all that. It didn't work really well. Um, a, because the fact that you just do a TV commercial, come on, dude. I mean, right. the 90s, you have to show your face. You have to do so much more, just like the CEO of T-Mobile. Mm -hmm. uh, he takes it where you should. I mean, if you have uh, the opportunity to do something, do it. Right. And not only that, and this is something that um, the brand doctor, if you know, Henry uh, and I talked a, a lot about, everything matters. Every small thing matters and you have to deliver on your promise. That's mm -hmm. the most important thing. Small business, moms and pops, uh, I don't know, uh, a model, an actor, a singer, or a huge corporation, 
you have to deliver on your promise. Mm -hmm. So if you say that Uber is now much more warm and emotional and open to everybody, but you don't make sure that on the street with your drivers, it's actually like that. And you still have asshole drivers and you don't really vet <laughs> any of the drivers. You don't know who your drivers are. Yeah. You can't deliver on it. Yeah. And I think it's important for, you know, the, either the, you know, CEOs of the company or the faces of the company, whoever those influencers are of companies, um, you know, do get a pulse on the, on the brand and, and, and the actual boots on the ground. So what is it? Undercover bosses. I think it's a TV show where like they have, you know, the boss comes in and actually goes and works with different levels of, of employees and things like that. I mean, I think it's important for that. So you really can understand what your customer's experience is and therefore you can relate to your customers better, which is ultimately going to help your overall presence and image and brand. Um, but I think that, I, well, it's, it, it's proven that people tend to trust people more than a brand or a business. So if you can identify who those influencers are in your company and have that be the face, then people will tend to believe and identify um, in them more so than just whatever your company is. Like, I think a lot of people like T-Mobile because they feel like they know John. <laughs> like they literally feel like they have a relationship with him. Um, they exactly. can identify, relate, and if they have a problem, they feel like, oh, I can just go tweet about it, and it's going to get handled. Yeah, uh, and if we're going back to Uber, when you Uber, when you tweet uh, or you comment something about Uber, there's an automated response that it's, I mean, you see that it's a robot response. Yeah. There's nothing emotional or human about it, and it's like, yeah, uh, we're sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Send us a text or an email. And for the longest time, they didn't even have a phone number they don't. for you to call. You, um, need to, you need to know how to find uh, customer service and phone for Uber and uh, a lot of other companies. And I totally understand it because those big companies, huge companies, uh, have so many people that are trying to contact them mm -hmm. uh, that it's like if they will start doing that it's all day will go on that right. uh, but there's a way to do that mainly when you have uh automated responses and 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 chat and messenger and everything is a one-on-one -on -one. it's a one-on-one -on -one marketing and I'm not the most emotional guy in the world, mm. but service is all about being human and emotional and the way you say something, the way you write a response can change the whole game. Absolutely. And, and, and it's just like that. And again, it's not about the money. It's about the core if we talked about people behind the brands, think about Richard Bronson from, from Virgin. Yeah. Wow, the, the, an amazing branding and marketing guy. He goes and fly uh, and check out what's going on. He asks people if it was good, if it wasn't good. He's like so 
checking up on things and, yeah. and see if everything he doesn't need to because i will say even before social media i knew who he was because he was around and i i'm, I'm talking about like 15 20 years ago i knew who he was and i'm not the most like up on pop culture or anything but he was so everywhere that you couldn't miss him you could not know who he was that I think is brilliant, especially at a time before social media, where it wasn't easy for everyone to know who you were. Yeah, you and really I think even, yeah, and you can take Steve Jobs, for instance. This guy is not an emotional guy. He's cold as a cucumber. But he knew that you have to talk emotions to the people. So his campaigns were never about the product. You've, you have never seen mm -hmm. an iMac in his campaigns, never. It was all about the emotional connection to it. Mm -hmm. Everything was about that. Um, and again, this is a cold motherfucker. Yeah, which was, which when he died, a lot of people, you know, they, they found out about him and a lot of people were in shock because that's not who they thought they knew based on his campaigns. But again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, even with musicians or businesses, you're building this persona that is going to appeal to your customer. It doesn't have to be who necessarily you are. I always say be authentic, be real, but, yeah. but if you can pull it off like Steve Jobs did, <laughs> Steve Jobs did, then do that. <laughs> it, it was it was part of, of I think it was part of him, you know. Um, Maybe somewhere. <laughs> he was very smart from day one to understand that his crappy character will not be able to do to do that. Yeah. He just knew it. Mm -hmm. And very important is to know who who are the people you need to. To work for you or work with you mm -hmm. very important um and he knew yeah for sure I and so i think that ultimately you know that's the thing for for brands to take away or even anyone who's just trying to start their business or trying to get more brand awareness is identifying who your customer is like who are you selling to down to the t and then understanding how can i reach that person what what are they going to love? What are they going to hate? How can I evoke emotion? And everything really about your brand should be to do that moving forward. Things that you post, um, even even like the logo and I mean, whatever type of media you do, the songs that you select to go in your videos, everything should be strategically picked to evoke that those particular emotions that are going to reach your target audience. Totally, totally. You nailed it. Easier said than done, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds great, but it's easier said than done. But I think um, because it's hard to put together that content on a consistent basis. That's, that's the challenging part, I think, is just whether it's for social, email campaigns, if it's putting together, whatever it may be. Yeah, that takes a lot of hours and manpower and brain power to put together the content and the campaigns that go into the consistency of but it will be much easier to work on all that content after 
you actually thought about what they will want to hear, what tone of voice do I need, what kind of content I should talk about. Uh, no. You have your story already. If you have your, your brand story, in one afternoon, you can make, you should make, at least a month of content. Yeah, it's in one afternoon. Once you've got it down, but it's getting it down. I can't tell you how many companies I've worked with or for who are just posting to post. We just got to put something out there. It doesn't matter what it is. We just got to get it out there to say we're doing it. Um, instead of taking the time, and that's why you know, from I do social media consulting and um, management on the side. And whenever I sign a new client, I always say you got to give me at least a month to do a complete audit of your stuff. And to really dig deep into what your brand is, where it's at, and build out a strategy so that totally. moving forward, because um, I'm not just going to post a post. It's a waste of your money, of my time. Um, it's not going to help you. It's, it's a real, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think... You have to have trial and error to understand what works. Yes. So then that's the next phase, is, is trying and seeing what works and if what resonates with your audience. Because again, going back to... Um, you know, musicians and you think you've got a really hot song and you post it and nobody cares and then you drop something that you're unsure of and everyone loves it. It's trial and error. I mean, you post, you see what people react to and then you're like, wow, a lot of people reacted to that. Do something similar. Wow, a lot of people reacted to that. Okay, now you're on to something and you keep moving with those kind of things. If you see that there's certain um, pieces of content that just aren't getting any reaction, stop posting those pieces of content and stop using that in your branding um, messaging. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about musicians, you know, uh, a hit has a specific way. There's a way to write a hit. Either you know it or not, there's a way to write a hit. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that if you will write a song in this particular way, it will be a hit. Uh, you need to try. And then when you find that specific... Um, color, let's say, and voice and arrangement to this way of writing and that work, then you need to take this whole mold and just repeat it. Mm -hmm. uh, you too, as a band, they've done it. Mm -hmm. uh, back when they started, they still had, you know, one record that sounded a little bit like that, a few songs that, list that were like that, and, and then they found, okay, now I know what's our, what resonates the most with our customer, with our fans. And then they just duplicated another album, another album, another album, another album. Yeah. That, that, that's how you do it. Uh, if, if you want to write hits, uh, not all musicians are about hits. Some musicians are just, you know, I write it. If it will they work, just, it yeah. will work. I don't care. Yeah, they just like them. They and, just like to do it. And I think with, with, with pop musicians and rappers, um, they all want to be like someone else. Yeah, I think a lot of them do. It's hard to find your it's own. Bad. So Don't try. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I really, really love the ones who find their own sound and who, like I say, are brandable. Then I'm like, Okay, you're onto something because you're different. And I think people, they want to hear something different. They want to hear something they can relate to, but that is not like everything else. 
it's going to stand out. So yeah, I like that. Um, so we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but I want to give you an opportunity to shout out anything that you're working on, where people can find you, how they can learn more about you or anything else that you want to talk about. So, uh, of course they can find me on Instagram, Dino H Carter, um, and online on thebrandingla.com. So it's D as in dog, right? Brandingla.com. Um, I actually have a special code. So I have uh, a clarity and discovery session. This is the first thing I do with all my clients and some of the, the, the entrepreneurs or the solopreneurs or the small businesses usually just do that. And they, this gives them so much information and insights that they can implement in their business for the next six months, if not more. It's like a, a game changer. Everything that we talked about today, I find, I fix, I tell you what you need to do, how to do that, what content you need to use, what you're selling, who's your all that and then they can push themselves for like at least a year so i am at a 30% code for you um, it's on thebrandingla.com just click on the uh, clarity brand clarity and the code is tft30 nice uh, yeah let me just check that it's for sure that one <laughs> yeah, you go to uh, uh, dbrandingla.com, uh, get brand clarity, and then you can uh, put the code TFT30. Awesome. And, and, and book uh, this discovery session that really helps every, every business out there. How long is this code good for? Like, when do they have to book by? I didn't set an end for okay. you. So, you know. Just okay, I will, uh, I will continue to remind people that they have this really great opportunity to get 30% off um, using that code. And I'll put it in the description for the podcast, for the audio, and then also in the video when I post the video and all of that and make sure, because um, that awesome. sounds like, yeah, that would be something really good. Um, great. Well, thank you so much for reaching out and for joining me. It's been a great conversation. I've learned a lot and had a lot of good conversations. So Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It was really, really awesome. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks.